Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. Uh, this week, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minds. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minds, we're okay without you. No, actually, no, we're not. No, that's a joke. It's a joke. It's a play on words from the tagline. We need you, precious listener. Please continue to listen. Seriously, though, if you've never heard this show before, then hold on to your heads because we're about to alter your memories of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, maybe. Who knows? Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a caption contest, a quiz, some average impressions, some awful style of film playing, um, some sound effects and a whole lot of banter. So do stick around. Now, this week's film on trial, as I mentioned before, is the 2004 sci-fi romance. Is that what you call it? Classic. Sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, say. Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Is it Jim Carrey that weight? Or is it Jim Carry On My Wayward Son? <laughs> Which one's the bad one? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just asking if it's decent or not. Uh, hopefully we're going to find out. What have you got against Kansas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just to say, this will be a very spoilerific episode. So if you haven't uh, uh, seen the film that came out 16 years ago, um, you can, that sounded really bitchy, didn't it? <laughs> then you can go away and watch it and then come back to this. It's available for free if you own it on DVD, or it's about <laughs> £2.50 on Amazon Prime, which is how I watched it. Uh, or you can just trust our judgments. Just, just trust us. We'll be fine. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week, brought to us by the lovely Joel, who is dialing in via Skype. Hello, Joel. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, we all can hear you. Um, so that quiz will start around, who knows, 40-minute mark, we reckon. I don't know. Before we go on, though, our last film on trial was, uh, what's it called these days? Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. <laughs> it's a weak <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'll go louder. In, in fairness, you do say at the start of every episode, they are shit sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that's the only bad sound effect I've got, to be honest. I don't know if it's a, of prey. Um, but, I, I, Ozzy, can you do an impression of a kestrel? <laughs> no? no. <laughs> that sounded more like that karate special effect that I use. <laughs> anyway. You use that instead. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's a, that's a kestrel this week. Um, so, uh, who, who judged it? Who was, I did. Oh, ju- oh, yeah, okay. You've since gone away and watched it. Yes. What do you think? Do you think you made the right call? You put it on the shit list. I did put it on the shit list. What do you I, reckon? I did think it was shit, to be honest. I, I just didn't care for it. It was a bit boring and just didn't add enough. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't Suicide Squad bad, but it wasn't good enough to be up there on the hit list with the likes of, you know, Air Force One. <laughs> or other classic films we've put on our hallowed hit list. <laughs> well, thank you very thank you very much, Alex. Um, okay, right, so we'll go into the bulk of the show. So, uh, as mentioned before, this week's film is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Hang on. No. No? What is that? 
fucking ain't no sunshine by Bill Withers. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> that is probably the best I've ever played that xylophone, and it still isn't good enough for you. Your standards are ridiculously high. Right, uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, uh, this uh, film has been picked out of the hat at random. It was recommended to us by me, uh, who <laughs> I said, uh, I watched it in 2004 and thought it was shit. But ironically, years later, it's like the film has been erased from my memory. Oh. <laughs> so we're going to find out if it actually is shit or not. Um, all the roles have also been picked out at random. So in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Alex and Ozzy. Now, yes. Alex is just like Kirsten Dunst's Mary. He has no recollection of events after his head was tampered with. <laughs> and Ozzy is just like Kate Winslet's Clementine. We get it. You're a quirky free spirit. But <laughs> maybe try wearing some normal clothes every once in a while. Eh? <laughs> and acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on their shit list will be me and Joel. I'm just like Tom Wilkinson's Howard. I can put on an American accent all I want, but people will always remember me for getting my dick out. <laughs> and I'm talking about the full Monty. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was wondering. When did, I know when you've got your dick out, but when, when did Tom Wilkins Did you see the extended version? <laughs> the flashback to his affair with Kirsten Dunst's character. Because um, I, I was thinking I've watched a different film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Joel is just like Jim Carrey's Joel. They're both called Joel. Uh, they're both quite subdued. They both don't go into work and people want to forget all about them. <laughs> Joel also hates hedgehogs. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, okay. So just like real court advocates who will be making the best case for our roles, these may or may not be our genuine appearance, uh, opinions though. So do stay tuned till the end of the episode to hear our real thoughts, which means this week, Dave has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. And Dave is just like Elijah Woods Patrick, a pencil pushing dweeb. <laughs> wow. Just, <laughs> I like how you're laughing to yourself as you're saying. Wow. Just three words. Ow. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, and uh, just remember, Dave, that anything that is said before the episode shouldn't affect your, uh, uh, your judgment at the end. Oh, okay. We'll get your fill in now. Then. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So now Dave must decide which list the film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Now, before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. Uh, so what we do here is we read out the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it has landed on Alex. Hello. And how would we like Alex to read out the film in the style of? Um, um, who's in it again? I feel like all the voices are just so nondescript that it's going to be difficult. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Jim Carrey's depressed voice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, or, or Tom Wilkinson's faux American accent. Faux American accent. Oh, when their relationship turns sour, a couple <laughs> undergoes a medical procedure to to have each other erased from their memories. We've got to do a Jimmy Stewart film yeah, at some point. That's a bob on Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, yeah Tom Wilkinson doing the Jimmy Stewart impression. Well done. Uh, okay, so... Um, yeah, without further hesitation, Dave, would you like to kick off proceedings, please? Yeah, no problem. Okay, so this one genuinely is all to play for. I haven't seen the film, ever. 
I've never seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, so this is all to play for. I have no idea what the film is even about, really. I've got a vague understanding God, of it. God, you really get me excited. But nothing more. Yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a complete blank page. <sighs> maybe, maybe you have seen it. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, something about memory erasing. I know that's in it. Oh, there you go. That's there about the go. extent of my knowledge of Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. So, defense, uh, try and give me an idea about what this film is about. Okay, uh, the plot's quite complicated. It jumps through different times and it jumps through different memories. So it sort of starts where it finishes, where you have uh, Joel and... I've forgotten her Clementine. Oh, my darling. No, oh, my darling. So Joel and Clementine. So forgettable, Dave. You forget the name of the so characters. So that, that's Jim Carrey, is it? And who's Jim Clementine? Carrey and Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet, cool. So I'm just going to say, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet meet, and they're on a train, and they meet, and they sort of hit it off. But then the film starts skipping back, and, you know, the first bit is actually 18 minutes long before the credits roll, which is quite unusual. And then the film cuts from them sort of just meeting each other for the first time to cutting right back to... Jim Carrey really, really upset and sad and can't understand what's going on. And so, and the film keeps jumping like this, especially at the start of the film. You can't, it's quite hard to follow, especially at the beginning, I would say. But then you sort of figure out the plot comes to bits, uh, comes together and you start figuring out that what's happened is Clementine's had, had this sort of scientific procedure done, which erases the memories of a partner, basically. So people can go and get painful memories erased. And it, she's had this done to Joel. Uh, then Joel decides to, you know, is hurt by this and decides to have her memories, uh, the memories of her removed from his brain. The film then sort of enters his memories and you go through the relationship. And then, and is this too, is this weird? Can you follow this, Dave? Or is it, yeah, just it sounds, about, sounds yeah. Mad. Can, can I like, I can oversimplify it, right? Basically, it's about a love story, right? And it starts with two people meeting, but then you find out that they've gone, it's exactly what Bruce has said, but it's got, they've Thanks. gone through procedure. <laughs> Uh, but just like the film, you overcomplicate it. Right? Oh. And uh, they, um, essentially, both of them have gone to get this procedure to get the memories of each other erased. And then uh, the rest of the film, or the bulk of the film, I should say, is Jim Carrey going through the procedure of getting, you know, Kate Winslet's Clementine erased. But he's fighting with his consciousness. So he's trying to hold on to the memories of his relationship whilst, um, the, the, you know, the. They're deleting Undergoing the procedure. Yeah. yeah. And then and then that ends, that part of it ends. Um, and then... It goes back to the beginning. It goes back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Where, where they're meeting up for the first time. But you don't know that as the... You don't understand that at the beginning of the film. So a lot, I think a lot of the joy of watching this film is piecing that together as it goes on. Mm. There are some nice ways that the film sort of uh, signposts it. So um, Clementine's hair changes colour. And that's one way that you can sort of track where you are at, at what point. So, you know, the start of the film is actually you know, way in the future of most of what happens in the film. It's, it's, I think I love Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. I loved it when I first saw it and I've loved it ever since. Like it's really, really clever film without being like incomprehensible and inaccessible. Really, really clever film. It's got some really nice things to say about romance. It's billed on Amazon as a romantic comedy. I didn't think it was, to be honest. I think it's just a, quite a tender romance. Yeah, I think more of a drama. A dra yeah, a drama. Like a romantic drama. Yeah. With a bit of sci-fi element in there. Yeah. 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 But I mean, like, you know, we were talking about those algorithms before. The other day I watched Saw 7 or whatever, the final chapter, and then when it suggests titles for you to watch afterwards, it says, because you like this, you may like Passion of the Christ. <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, go on. Sorry, no, no. I was just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, so I'm listening. Just what 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 I think I love about it is it's it's a it's an interesting story. It's a bit of a, a challenging plot, but not like impossible to follow. Mm. 
And it makes, you know, it's quite a simple love story and simple, you know, isn't bad. It's, it's, an, it's an involving story. It's got lovely things to say, I think, about relationships. And I think what's nice about it, even though it's got this really nice, and because it's exploring memory, it can be very, very imaginative for, with the way Michelle Gondry, who I think directed this, it's just battered it out of the park, can be very, very inventive with how he shows memory. But the actual, I think the actual thing, the thing I love most about it is what it has to say about relationships. And it's not this overblown, huge rom-com, <gasps> these fantastic, it's actually a very human and very relatable relationship that I think goes on between them. And it's very much a lot of what I can see in my past relationships and current relationship. I can see that I say current, I'm married. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the one of the one of it now. All of them, all good, your good. current relationships. <laughs> she doesn't listen anyway. So. Yeah, she, <laughs> but yeah, so, and you know, that's what I love most about it. Gav. Uh, Alex touched the the nail on the head. Just just touched, touched lightly it. touched, touched it. it. Just lightly <laughs> lightly touched it. Um, when he said that, when he was talking about the beginning, it's very jumbled. It's very confusing. I didn't touch that nail on the head. You did. You you lightly caressed it, and then you gave it a good thump. <laughs> right. Uh, like this is a really really good premise for a film. It reminds me of something that you know Philip K. Dick would have written. But it's ruined by jumbled non-linear narration and irritating characters and too much goddamn quirkiness. Everything's fucking quirky. And I'll, I'll agree with Alex with regards to the direction. I think you know Michelle Gondry done a really good job, especially when Joel is remembering or trying or trying to hold on to his memories of his relationship whilst they're being erased. So how he shows, you know, um, pieces of memories just getting erased and like taken away it you know it is very um interesting and and, and unique as well but this the thing alex did say this before as well he said it was quite a simple story and it is very very simple the thing is is that you have 18 minutes at the beginning of two people getting to know each other and then you have about 50 minutes of his relationships getting wiped and it's just going from like scene to scene of different relationship, you know, different memories, essentially, of him and Kate Winslet being together. And what I think for me, why it was so boring or why it was so uninteresting was that I just didn't believe the relationship at all. I think it would have been much better if I would have believed the relationship. I found the characters to be pretty irritating, uh, especially Clementine's character. And... Um, the issue is that the love story and the relationship between the two of them is unrelatable and unbelievable. Uh, on, on the first initial meetings, they have nothing in common and the characters are complete polar opposites. In fact, you know, they, they mention that, you know, like, oh, we've got nothing in common at all. So why are they they're drawn together in the first place? Uh, we are shown glimpses of their relationship through flashbacks in Joel's dreams. And it's either overly like cutesy and kitsched or it's too bitter and venomous. It's 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 like just helter skelter. It's up or it's completely down. There's no middle ground. And I thought that it was quite an immature and adolescent idea of a relationship with no real substance. Um, so when the bulk of the film kicks into gear and Joel's memories of Clementine and their relationship are being erased, it leaves me wondering why I should really care. You know, because it didn't look like a great relationship to begin with. It like the whole thing looks like it's been written by a 14-year-old boy about their relationship. It reminds me of relationships I was in when I was a 14 or 15-year-old boy, you know, like... But not your adult relationships. Yeah, exactly. Not mature relationships. Yeah. Okay, I saw Alex's hand went up there. Before I just go to Alex, could I just ask Gav, could you give me an example of where you think the relationship was too venomous or too cutesy? 
Because Alex said that the relationships reminded him uh, of some of his own past ones. I want to see if he's got a comeback for, for your uh, like, example. You know, it's uh, like too quirky stuff. Like they sat outside um, a drive-in theatre without actually going into it. So they just sat without paying for it, like on a hill. And they obviously can't hear what's going on because, you know, they haven't paid for it. So they're just making up their own dialogue. And it's all like very cute and, you know, quirky. Or like she's making little potato sculptures of him. And he's writing like little love notes with little doodles you know uh, um, like little poems about their time together they're looking up at the, at the constellations so they're lying out on an ice rink because neither of them have taken ice skates with them and um, they're like oh can you name the constellations oh I don't know any oh we'll just name them anyway so he's, he's sat there making up constellations it's very sort of like very cutesy sort of like, if, if, like I, I see it the way you're describing it I see that but Alex I want to give you a chance to shoot that down okay um, did, did you ever do that in any of your past relationships <laughs> did you ever go ice skating and forget to take ice skates uh, I mean they don't go ice skating they go to like a they go to an actual frozen ice, lake, a frozen yeah, like lake, a lake and that's a special place for her and they well, lie that's dangerous it. anyway they don't want to be going on that <laughs> the ice skates. no I, I i think the point that you know gav's making I, you know i'd agree with it in a way when he's saying about that there's quite extreme um you know when it's going for like extreme uh emotions and the memories so you know it's either like very good memories or very bad memories but that's the whole point it's it's the first part of the film is all about the bad memories well they meet each other for the first time and then it's just them experiencing the bad memories and how they didn't really get on. And you are, and, and but the thing is, you're meant to feel that. So a lot of what Gav's saying, I think that's exactly what you're meant to be experiencing. So you're thinking, well, why do these people actually fit together? They don't seem to, it's quite venomous. It doesn't seem to work. But then, and that's the whole point, and that's why he wants the procedure done, is his primary memories at the moment are ones of anger and doesn't and hates her. She's an alcoholic. It's not cutesy. There are some deep things. She's an alcoholic, you know, or she drinks a lot. He's quite withdrawn and quite finds it hard to sort of get out there a little bit. So, so there are some big issues, which it's not all cutesy. There are those bits. I like them. I didn't think they were well, cutesy. That's the Paul Robinson. But, but then the nice thing that comes in is that the good memories of each other then start emerging. And that's where the film just blossoms because these nice memories and, and he suddenly goes from this anger towards Clementine to then the the whole thing is he wants to catch. There's some nice memories that he, he that they're deleting, and he all of a sudden starts panicking and going, "No, I know, I want to keep that nice memory mm. of Clementine." And that that the whole thing then is him trying to. It's quite sad actually. It's yeah, yeah, like they, trying to the, hold you're on to lose, the good memories because yeah, you're going to lose. Stuff. It's like that's the issue about it. it I think it's a real uh, like commentary upon you know life and loss and. And whatnot is that they are angry at each other. They're upset with each other because of all of the, this horrible stuff that happened in a relationship. But when, and I think it's more of a commentary on, you know, you've got to take the good with the bad. Um, that's part of life, you know, and, and I think it's quite, it's quite profound uh, in, in some ways. And it can be quite difficult to get to because of the jumpiness at first. But um, as soon as you, you grasp that and that's how, and it's played out well because they start almost at the, you know, you, you see the, the initial meeting, then you see the anger, and then because it builds up into that, into the center point, I think that, that's, that's how it, that, that's really the, where it, like, like Alex said, that's where it really blossoms. Okay. Uh, just quickly, Alex. Very for, briefly. Yep. Just, just to talk about the cutesy thing that, that Gav was saying, you know, I'd say that's a matter of opinion that maybe you would find those things, you know, I, I thought they were quite nice, but there's enough like real significant, like when, when he, he talks about how she has to fuck people to, for them to like uh, for, for people to like that's what that's her insecurities and that's things it gets really deep down and you can see that really hurts the character you know these are really deep things and that he's boring and doesn't want to do anything and that and that really hurts him so yeah you do have these cutesy bits but you also have these really quite emotional bits where they're really attacking the 
proper core of each other as people. Okay, okay. A lot to consider there. I want to go to Joel. I want to hear uh, your thoughts on this. What do you think about what you've heard so far? Whose side are you coming down on? Um, so, you know... Oh, me, hopefully my side. <laughs> <laughs> I might have You never him. know. You know. He's out of the room. He's safe. You never know. <laughs> well, when I hear Gav, I instantly want to kind of touch him. So. <laughs> but, but, you know, for, for me, I kind of wish this film was real in a way, just so I could have the chance to erase the last two hours of that experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, I, I totally agree with Gav, to be fair. Um, just throw some words at you. You know, I think the film's really kind of like over melodramatic. I think it's monotonous and I think it's just dull. It's got a whole gloomy feel all the way through it. And um, I, I, I asked a friend of mine at work about this film. You know, I told him, we were reviewing it today and he said, oh, um, I didn't like that film the first three times that I saw it, but on the fourth time it was all right. And <laughs> it's that type of thing where it's like maybe you have to watch it more than once to appreciate it or to even find something decent out of it. Um, the, the amount of people that I've spoke to that have just watched it the one time and were put off just by how kind of gloomy and depressing it feels. And I think the one word which I expected Gav to go straight for uh, is pretentious. This film <laughs> is completely just, um, you know, I just think it tries to tick so many boxes and do everything a little bit different. Um, and, you know, being quirky is, uh, you know, definitely one of those kind of things that you could maybe use a different word for. Quirky and pretentious are, you know, pretty much the same thing, depending on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like we all, I'm going to buy everyone like a dictionary and just fucking hide pretentiousness. <laughs> we'll all have a good old look. I tell you what, that dictionary that you the buy, there'll be a means. picture next to it of a table sunshine <laughs> spot this morning. Yeah, you probably ought to get a thesaurus on a deal and then we can find other u- yeah, words yeah, yeah. to use in place of pretentious. Something. Yeah. Oh, my just, to, just to kind of stick the final nail in just as I was saying like it was pretentious my dog just started wagging a tail really poppy knows films I'm, I'm with poppy on this one <laughs> okay um, Austin I would like to hear what you say I mean Joel uh, has pointed out this film is, is pretentious and is, I don't like pretentious films yep. that's a big that's, gonna, that's, that's big a big no deal no for me that's a big no no um, he also said it's, it's trying to be profound but it just comes off being hard to grasp and everyone seems to be in an agreement that it, it does take a bit of wrangling to get get your head around this one. Um, he also said it's over melodramatic, it's monotonous, it's dull, it's gloomy. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I, I I wholeheartedly disagree in actual fact that it's it's uh, melodramatic and, and gloomy. I, uh, I I think I think it, it's it's emotional. I think it is dramatic. I think um, and you have to pay attention. And I think that's what it is because it, it it's it's trying to tug at heartstrings. That's the whole point of it is that you start with a little bit of, you know, discompopulation almost because it's quite uh, a jump between the time zones, you know, the memories. And um, and and initially I did find that a bit difficult. I've heard of people who find it difficult to, 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 to sit through, but actually it's, it's so worth it. You know, that as soon as you're through the first bit and you realize what's going on and what the, what is happening, and it doesn't take long for that to happen. It, you know, it's pretty much the 18 minutes to the mm. titles and you go, I, I get this now and I'm invested in the characters, you know, you know what's happening. And, and I, I didn't find it. I, I can understand this idea of pretentiousness, but actually I think it's because it's a drama. It's, it's not, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite artistic in some ways, you know, the, the, the director, he's renowned for 
for music videos. So, you know, he's quite good at telling a story in a very short space of time. And, and, and that's what's happening. These are snippets, you know, they're almost like short scenes um, of telling telling the memory, individual just, music videos, if you will, almost. Uh, not not quite as bad as you know, not not along the lines of uh, <laughs> not, not 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 along the lines of. Because I'm thinking Bon Jovi video. always around about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got it, Dave. Yeah. 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 You've got this film. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more like Blink One Eight Two miss you. Like, the whole thing is like an emo's wet dream. <laughs> I, you know, and along those lines, it is emotional, and there are you—you you really do feel for the characters toward the end, and you really understand that he's made a mistake to 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 erase the memory. And I think it—it's well told as a story, and I can understand it feeling like it's pretentious, but I think it's just because it's dramatic. You know, this is this is actors who you might consider to be more comedic, you know, Jim Carrey in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, you know, this is far and above a uh, Truman Show in terms of. Uh, acting I'd have thought so you know that that's that's my feeling I, I believed in him okay I know Alex you've been you wanted some something to add there yeah um pretentious means attempting to impress by affecting greater importance oh fuck off <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. with Joel on this one we know what pretentious sorry, means Alex. Sorry, sorry. I think Alex is being a little ostentatious being, right I was, now <laughs> I was possibly being a little pretentious condescending is the word uh, no, uh, just joking um like but you know, the, 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 this film isn't trying to, it isn't pretentious in the sense that it's not actually trying to reach something that it can't achieve. It, it knows what it, it wants. It has a really good message. And, you know, we're talking before about it not being accessible and people not, not getting it. Well, you know, like that just is a very good argument for saying there should be never be any complicated plot lines. Like I, I'm not saying that every film needs to have a complicated plot that dips in and out but this film merits it it's about memory it's about you know sorting through different memories so the actual plot structure fits in well with the actual the content of what the film's about it makes sense to have a convoluted plot in something that's going talking about how memories fit in it, it does make sense okay we soon have a discussion about the validation of complexity or pretension gav i, I don't think that it's a complicated or convoluted plot it's it's a simple plot told so it's you know it's it's a very simple story but the way it's told is very convoluted so you know it's it's complicated it's, yeah 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 and it's inaccessible um so did, did you get it yeah i i, I did get it right? so it's accessible but i had to, to, i had to watch it and and put my phone down so I, I don't i don't like that i like to be able to multitask no um so you know my uh, thoughts on, on what playing with your phone ex- what you meant to be watching exactly dave you wouldn't be able to play walking dead or pokemon go i'll tell you that right now um, while i'm sat in my living room no i wouldn't Gav. you're quite right uh, one of my points about this is that the film starts with the two of them meeting right and then we you know the kind of first act twist is their whole oh, hang on they already did know each other they were in a relationship and they've gone through this procedure to forget about each other and then the next 50 minutes is joel's experience of him um, getting his memories erased of clementine right so that the towards the end of that there's this great kind of um pressure or tension that's built up by the director and, and i think by kaufman as well 
in that Kaufman uh, Charlie Kaufman is, is, is the writer oh right that's, so that's why Brucey's pants are so tight right now ah uh, <laughs> yeah I've heard, I've, I have heard you mention Charlie Kaufman I do like Charlie Kaufman sorry I'll continue <laughs> no, it's okay uh, so uh, th- so there's this tension built up as in like oh um, will they get back together you know uh, will all of his memories of Clementine be erased you know the whole thing is him like trying to run away from this procedure in his mind and trying to and dragging Clementine with him from like memory to memory and like the whole thing is like, oh, will will she be entirely erased? Will he manage to like kind of get her to a safe space in his, his head where um, she can't be erased? But we already know the answers. The answer is, well, yeah, it does happen because we've seen the beginning of the film and we know that he's gone through the procedure successfully. And we know that they will also get back together, essentially in a way. No, because, you don't, no, you don't well, know Well, no, no, but like you the whole thing that. is like, will they get back together, right? And we know from the start of the film that they already do meet. And if it wouldn't have been for Kirsten Dunst sending, so what happens is Kirsten Dunst plays the receptionist of um, this, you know, um, what, what would you call it? It's like a Lacuna. research center. Well, Lacuna, yeah. It's like yeah. a science program, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, there's a comp- company designed to erase minds. Yeah, like yes. a clinic, a specific kind of yeah, yeah. clinic. Yeah. And there's sort of like this third act turn in that Mark Ruffalo's playing a technician trying to erase his memories while he's asleep. Kirsten Dunst uh, comes over and, you know, they've got a bit of a relationship going on. All the while, while um, Joel is asleep, he's trying to, you know, save his memories and that crashes the system. So they've got to call Tom Wilkinson's doctor, who's the guy who created the program, out to um, fix it. And he comes out and while he's on his own with Kirsten Dunst's character, Mary, um, she confesses her love to him. And, you know, there's a bit of a, oh, will they, won't they sort of thing. And then Tom Wilkinson's wife pitches up and says, no, you already actually have, right? You got together and then you erased your your memory of him, or you know, did he erase it on your behalf? You know what I mean? Because she doesn't know. So my head hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of it, uh, she's very disgruntled, obviously. So she sends tapes. Uh, well, she sends a letter to every person who's gone through the procedure and saying, "Listen, you know, I worked at this place. You had this procedure done. <clears throat> I agreed with it at the time, but now I realise how invasive it is and how wrong it is. Here is a recording of you talking about why you got the procedure done, and you know, talking about your relationship. Listen to it if you want to. And then that's what happens right at the very end. You know, so." It comes back to the beginning again where Joel and Clementine have just met and they're together and they like each other and then they get these letters to say actually you were both in a relationship before here's tapes of you talking about each other and they start listening to it and remembering well they don't remember they're just like listening and saying like oh god shit you know like it says here that I think you're really boring it says here that I think that you fuck people so they'll like you you know what I mean and then the film ends with a will they won't they sort of thing can they patch up things up and then they kind of go yeah we'll give it a try and okay What's wrong with okay. that? That sounds great. Um, <laughs> I, that is, I may come back to this point. This may be the last thing I ask you about when I come back to this point, but I want to move away from, from plot and the sure. structure and the story now. Uh, I'm going to come to you, Joel, and I want to hear a little more about characters, if you could. Characters, performances, anything you want to you want to give me a few thoughts on? Um, well, it sounds really weird saying the name Joel because I've only met like three other Joels in my life. Um, but, <laughs> and one of them was the lead, uh, just... lead character in Last of Us, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's kind of one good, one bad, because that Joel's a bit of a badass, but this Joel is just completely boring. Um, and, it, you know, Alex said you kind of, or Austin, I can't remember which one, um, kind of said that you do kind of get behind the characters and, and, you know, want them to end up together type of thing. But I just thought Joel was so boring, and it just added to the whole kind of gloomy feel of the film that I really just didn't care for him at all. 
Um, and in fact, you know, I totally agree with Gav when he said that they don't really belong together. And it just kind of felt like, you know, why is he grasping so hard to hold on to this relationship that really, you know, didn't seem right for him? There's probably something better out there type of thing. So when you kind of think of it like that, the whole plot is just a little bit nonsensical, really, because you really can't see a reason why he's grasping, you know, so hard onto these memories in the first place. Okay, thank you, Matt. I think Gav's got a quick uh, point to make. Joel, do you think that you thought the character was so boring and you hated them so much because he reminded you of yourself a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Brucey, do you want another member on your team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit jump, Joel. (laughs) You're shooting yourself in the foot here a bit, Okay, so uh, the the main point that I'm taking away from what Joel told me there, Austin, is that you can't get behind the character. And from what I gather, you've got to care about this character. You've got to get behind him. You've got to want his relationship to succeed or him for to move on from it in a healthy manner. You've got to care. I don't think you need to want him to succeed as a relationship. You don't need to. You don't need to want him to get back together. You don't need. What what you do care about is that the relationship happened, and you believe that these two people met, you know, and and then they had these memories. That's what you. You, you know, you're caring about is the actual, the relationship, not so much them getting back together. That part there is more of a, I think more of a commentary on the need of people because everyone, it, it's almost as though it's self-fulfilling. People always end up back together even though you've forgotten. And I think that's, uh, it felt like a touch of the, the, the need of humans to, to be loved. You know, when you're meeting these people, you find them attractive and then you, you get back together because you've not been through that experience you you have to redo those memories. Those memories are all part of you know the formation of of you as a, as, a, as a character as a person. So that's why these people keep making the same mistakes, and that's how this lacuna rink keeps making its money. And that's why she sends out the letter at the end. It's all uh, you know. It actually follows through as a, as, a, as a as a plot line. You know that's part of the story. Is is this? Um, so so even if you find him boring, that's part of him. <laughs> sorry Joel just repeat that repeat that for us once said it follows through by taking a shit on your mind <laughs> some people enjoy I, that I knew that was a gem that was worth repeating <laughs> um, okay this, this actually ties in there was a point that I was going to make my last question that I asked you all and I just want to make sure that I'm understanding the if, if the plot would be looked at chrono- chronologically yep. so Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet are together. Mm-hmm. They break up. Mm-hmm. They both go separately to go get their memories erased of each she, other. She goes first. and She he goes does first, it. he follows. Yeah. Get their memories erased. erased. And that, that's successful. It's a successful procedure. Their memories are wiped of each other. Correct. Yeah. Yep. They then meet again somehow. Yeah. Yes. Like by fluke. Okay. So they meet because at the end, the and this is an important part of the film, at the end when the memories are going and he's sort, sort of saying goodbye to his memory of Clementine, which I think is a very touching bit, uh, she whispers in his ears, meet me in Montauk, which is where they first met in real life, not in the film, but in, in actual time that they met for the first time. Mm. And so they both go on the train. So at the first, I was thinking a bit like what Gav was saying. When I first watched Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, I was thinking, yeah, this is a bit like a lonely screenwriter. You know, those stories where the, the guy's on the train and the kooky girl, manic pixie girl, whatever, comes up and starts speaking. And it's a bit like, well, this would this never happens in real life. Yeah. So at first you're a bit like, what's going on? But actually it's because the memories, there's there's obviously deeper memories within them that uh, they might, their, their memories of each other have been erased, but there's a, there's a need for them to go to this special place for them both. Okay. And that's why they're on the train. Like so scenes then, of deja vu. then they meet up and sparks again, instant attraction, 
They get back together. No, they possibly. don't. They don't get back to. It's right. the beginning of a relationship. They just so they like could a, get back together. Yes. And then Gav says, "There's this curveball where they are basically reminded yeah. that they yeah. had their memories wiped of each other." I was going to mm-hmm. say, surely that would come around in the end because you know they've had their memories of each other erased, but they've not had personality transplants. The things that yeah. upset, that cause them yep. to break up and go apart their separate ways in the first instance are still going to be there. Yeah. So it's just a massive failure. Exactly, it's that. a failure. Yeah. And what was the point? So at the end of the film, and this is how the film ends. You, they, they spoiler talk about alert, it, by the way. yeah, massive spoiler. <laughs> but the film end, they, they basically, it's almost like their relationship now has been like fast forwarded. So they figured out, they already know, they've listened to themselves say what they hate about each other. If you see what I mean, you know, they've listened to a tape of themselves saying, "I hate him because he's boring. I hate her because she drinks too much and she's, you know, da 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 da." And then at the end of the film, they're talking about it, and Kate Winslet's like, "This isn't going to work. We can't be together." I'm going to do this and I'm going to be this and I'm not going to change and you're going to be boring. Da, 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 da. And he says, okay. And he just, and that's all. They just simply look at each other and laugh and go, okay. And it's like they accept because, and that's what I love about it. Cause that's what a relationship is. You're never going to fix yourself or fix the other person. You're never going to be perfect. Those annoyances are always going to be there, but it's like an acceptance of saying, right, you know, yes, I accept that those things are going to annoy me about you, but I still want to be with you. Okay, I get the feeling there's room for interpretation on this one. Gavin, do you interpret it in the same way? Uh, yeah, but my, my my biggest annoyance essentially was right at the very end when they go like, yeah, here are all our flaws. Um, do we accept each other and do we want to continue um, forming a, another relationship? And they both go, yeah, essentially. And my biggest grievance is, well, why couldn't they just have done that before going through the uh, procedures to get their memories erased? It's almost like this entire film is about like a lack of communication within a relationship, which isn't, brings me back again. Which never happens, does yeah. it? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, exactly. But, well, yeah, you know, lo- like, lots of relationships have that. Yeah, and a lot of relationships fall apart because of a lack of communication. Yeah. And what, what helps them at the very end is essentially... Uh, communicating by proxy, you know, like by, by the tape. Through you know, each other, yeah. yeah. yeah so so they, they, they listen to what their biggest flaws are from the other person uh, via this tape. Uh, but if they just would have spoken to each other and spoken about that to each other beforehand, then they wouldn't have had to go through the procedure. And then, you know... So you're saying they haven't grown. They haven't improved. They, they haven't developed. They absolutely have. This is another example of Gav, like, shitting on a film because... <laughs> It's not the way he would have written the film. Because <laughs> if that would have happened, there would be no film. If that's what you yeah. do in every film, there's, there's no, no drama. Film. If there's listen, no listen. Drama. If, it's, if everyone talks to each other and communicates in a really happy way, then there's no dramatic tension like, and nothing happens. All I'm it? saying, you little bum all right? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised you actually friggin' watched the film. I didn't just watch the trailer on bloody YouTube like two minutes before we started recording. That's and what you were doing just before. We, <laughs> we're almost an hour late because you were watching the trailer. Sure, you <laughs> But also, I would like to say that um, Brucey once again touched the nail upon the head. Caressed it or just slammed it? Fully slammed it. I literally took a run and dive onto the nail. Uh, Kate Winslet's character is vapid. Uh, She is just classic manic dream pixie girl. Uh, You know, from the first moment that you meet her, it's like, oh, she's quirky. I get it. Uh, And, you know, Everything about her is just quirky. She's a free spirit, but it's been like a free spirit that's been written by, you know, a 50-year-old man who doesn't know what a free spirit is. It's just all the cliches. You know, she wears really vibrant clothes. She 
changes the colour of her hair like every week because yeah, you know very like, Dharma and Greg I'm guessing exactly yeah very <laughs> exactly Dave yeah very good very Dharma and Greg uh, and one of the things that annoys me about her character is um, she always says what her characteristics are which I found uh, annoying I mean this might just be a personal thing but uh, rather than showing her being annoyed or anxious uh, she has to say so, so there's several points where she says oh, I'm really anxious or like I'm really annoyed or I'm a vindictive little bitch or you know like I'm this I'm that and whatever and it's like you know you're just describing your personality, you know, it, rather than showing your it's personality, it's a lot deeper than that. So, go, I, go I, on. I, I, it's I, also I, very difficult to show being anxious, as you know, people can people can be. She's anxious. an actress, you know what I mean. People, <laughs> like, but people can be anxious and and reflect that, and you know, that can be that's very difficult to visualize anxiety without coming across as very cliche. Yeah, um, right. the issue. With you that. can see anxiety every week when all the, all four of you are sat around nearly knocking stuff over on my new. No, I know. Yeah, Look how far one. away we are from you today. It's, it's not anxiety. That is the high of anxiety. Proper aggression. <laughs> Alex, did you still have something to add to that? Yeah, um, I, I definitely don't agree. I, I'd say there are quirky aspects. I think Gav's overegged it. Um, like that. That's not all she's got. That there is a lot more to her to a character. There's a really touching bit where they're under covers and they're sort of just sort of cuddling each other and she goes, do you think I'm pretty? Do you think I'm pretty? And there's a real, like, sense, you can really sense her insecurity within it. You know, you don't get that from the, you know, the manic pixie girls in other films. They're all like, you know, wow, I will save your life. And that's a whole thing about it. You know, Gav's saying a lot of stuff that the film knows is happening in the film. Michelle Gondry and Charlie Kaufman knew what they were doing. So Joel, you know, and, and this is what, um, the real Joel. Wait, which one's the real Joel? Joel? Joel yeah. The, one, the one who's dialed in. Yeah. Our Joel was saying about how, you know, the characters of Joel is boring. And I would agree. Like, it it, it was in, it's a, it's a bit of a dilemma for Michelle Gondry and Charlie Kaufman. But boring people do exist. And in a film where you're trying to talk about relatable, real things, sometimes you will have to, to have a boring character. He's not boring in the film. And the reason he's not boring, he's very sort of subdued. He's quite introverted. But, He's not boring because you look through his memories, so you actually see him as a child. You see him being bullied. You see him growing up. You see him. You see all these different things, which actually really sort of like enhance the character massively all the way through it. So it's 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 not he's not dull in the film, but he is. You know, he's an introverted, dull guy. So you know, I'd say a lot of what Joel and Gav have been talking about, I'd agree, it's in the film, but it's meant to be in the film, and it enhances the film. Okay. And just as we're drawing this to a close now, I want to hear about performances because it sounds like this is hard to get your head around. How well did the cast get their head, heads around this script? Anyone give a good performance here? Anyone give a bad performance? Uh, Joel, any thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey was definitely growing up, one of my all-time favourite actors. And I, it was just different seeing him in a more serious role. Um, and he did it all right. I don't think it was, you know, anything to write home about, but at the same time, I don't think it was terrible. It was just like an, an all right performance. Uh, I agree with what Gab said about Kate Winsley. It's just like, she's just being quirky, just, you know, for the sake of being quirky, she's one of those characters that you can put a tick in a box for. Um, the rest of the cast, like you look through the IMBD list and you almost forget that they've been in the film. You know, you've got, uh, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Tom Wilkinson, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Woods. Like, I literally had to remind myself that these guys were even in it. It's not that they're uh, kind of terrible. It's just that they're forgettable, which I suppose you could say is a similar thing. But um, So for me, I don't th really think anybody stands out in this film. Um, and for like such a character-driven film, it's probably a bad thing. Mm. 
I have to agree. It doesn't sound good. Alex, what do you think? Uh, well, I disagree. <laughs> um, give, me, say, give me examples if you can. Okay, so I'd say, um, you know, it is, it's it is you know, especially going into that film, you're ready for Jim Carrey to be sort of goofing around. It, that's not like it at all. There are moments when he's goofy in his character, and, you know, that, but he, he plays it very, very well. I, I think he did an incredible job, to be honest, as a sort of an introvert. It's very, very different from what he normally does. He does a fantastic job. Kate Winslet shows a really sort of, um, you know, she's never normally, you know, they're saying she plays the, the standard manic sort of pixie girl. She never really played that role, I don't think, in, any, in, in many things. She's, so it actually is a departure for Kate Winslet, and she does it a very good job. She also brings a lot of depth to the character as well, as does the script. So I think her performance is fantastic. And the supporting cast, are, you know, they're really, you know, you've got Tom Wilkinson, Kirsten Dunst, Mark Ruffalo and Elijah Wood, a lot of, you know, before they became huge stars. And I, I think they do a really, 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 really good job. They, they, they are key roles, so you don't forget about them because the subplot links in with the main plot, as Gav was talking about before. And they all do. Tom Wilkinson is... Very, very good, I think, and and I, I don't, I don't honestly see where the problem is. Okay, and he didn't Ga- get his knob out. <laughs> <laughs> Gav, last words from you. Uh, tell me a little bit more about characters if you want, or just give me some closing points that may sway me either way. I, I would disagree with what Ozzy said earlier. I think that the Truman Show was a much better performance from Jim Carrey because it was more well-rounded. You know, you saw the ups and downs of an everyday man, and with this, he was just boring or depressed and. Uh, you know, I, I just I did. I just didn't feel like the relationship was real. And uh, then when it came to the end of um, the procedure, and he's struggling onto those final last moments, uh, when he's trying to hold on to the, the memory of Clementine, you know, it was like a, a, a fairly emotional scene, which I could have, I felt like could have been really emotional and really powerful if I would have believed their relationship a bit more. But it, because it it felt a bit forced and a bit like it been it'd been written. It just it didn't connect with me at all. Uh, but overall, I would say that this film is like a quirky, um, sort of unique directed version of Lost in Translation. Son of a bitch, don't you dare. Okay. Uh, you, it might be across Let's, the room, but I will go for you. I will. Uh, Austin, step in <laughs> quickly. That's, Austin, that's, that's legit, absolute, absolute tripe, what, what you're saying there. I, I, the, the characters are, are well written. The, the, the whole point with this, this play in, in particular, this whole screen right in, is that the characters have to play a part directly. They can't be trying to trying to show you really over the top. Uh, you know, can't tell you when something's funny, when something's sad. They have to, like in this. I think he's way better than in the Truman Show. He's he's playing a sad character and he's doing it throughout. Like it's spot on. It's so different from him than what you're used to seeing. And um, and I think he does a great job. Kate Winslet is the perfect uh, counterpart to this as well. It's, it's different from her. She does a great job. The two of them are the main characters. The rest of the people, everyone else in there is fine. There's a whole host of people who are just, you know, they're just there as supporting. Just, they're just part of the, the, the scenery, essentially. Those two, though, they really do have great emotion throughout the scenes where they're, they're showing love, the scenes where they're showing anger. I think it's, it's two great, um, uh, great acting roles. And, um, and I think it gets a really bad, it's getting a bad press, both out the room and in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it got bad press out the room, didn't it? Uh, from Joel, yeah. Oh, oh, right. I thought yeah, you... Sorry, I was pointing at the phone, but the uh, phone's up there well, now. Pointing at your shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was where he used to live. He's up there now, sorry. Yeah. And final words, Just, just the, the final words. You know, some people, you know, you're talking about press. Well, I'd say it's quite well regarded. And in fact, 
A film critic put it on his greatest movies of all time, his greatest movies list, and it was Roger... Roger... Egbert. 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 <laughs> Roger Ebert, it was. Yeah. So I think you know, Gavin Joel have done a hell of a job has been wrong here. about a lot of stuff. Didn't Roger Ebert give like look at, look at Dave the film Junior? <laughs> like, three out of four. He, you know what I mean? This guy's got it wrong in the past. He, he was just a man, to be fair. But, <laughs> but it's very well regarded and for good reason. Okay. Right, I think I've heard, unless anyone has anything further to add, I think I've heard all I need to hear. Uh, okay, and Joel, I believe you're doing the quiz? Certainly am, and it's on the uh, the films of Jim Carrey this week, so I've tried to make it reasonably accessible for everybody. Um, I think we've got about 10 or 11 questions. Um, so some of them are two-parters. This first one is on Ace Ventura Pet Detective. So who is the football player that steals Snowflake? Oh, oh. Um, uh, no idea. If, if Finkel, there's something Finkel. I'll give you that, Ray Finkel. Oh my um, And then he is actually shown to be somebody else in the film. Do you know that character's name? Lois Einhorn. Lois Einhorn is right. Well done. Um, <laughs> well okay. played, Gav. <laughs> so the next part is uh, when nature calls. What is the back called? Oh, um, oh shit. If you can't picture the scene, then you're all disappointing me. Oh, <laughs> do, it, does it begin with a, an H? Uh, it begins with an S. Oh, yeah, because he's like Santiago or something like that. Um, of, yeah, it's Chicago. Oh, Chicago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Okay, um, question three. Uh, this one is for you, Dave. Which kind of What kind of dog is Milo in the mask? Um, he's a terrier of some kind. Do you need more than he is. What's a famous terrier? Jack Russell. Jack Russell, well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I'll give this one to you, Brucey. Um, okay, so this bit of trivia is in regards to which Jim Carrey film. Okay, so Jim Carrey felt so humiliated in the breastfeeding scene that he had to empty the studio before each take. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, is it Dumb and Dumber? No. no. Uh, he called, says Mama, doesn't he? Shit. Yeah, uh, me, myself, and Irene. It is me, myself, and Irene. Well done. Um, okay, so this one, Ozzy, have you seen Dumb and Dumber? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't think I could give you any <laughs> answers. But, yeah, I've seen All it. Right. Well, we'll give this one to everyone. Um, who does Harry and Lloyd think is after them in Dumb and Dumber? So it's like a, a character oh, but they um, keep else. Is it the somebody like the the gas man or somebody, isn't it? Like the it is. It's the gas man. <laughs> they think he's uh, he's there to collect their gas bill. Um, and then, okay, so this one is really obscure. If anyone gets this, you pretty much win the full quiz. Uh, so after scamming Seabass, Lloyd says that he had got the got the idea from a movie. Does anyone know what movie that he got it from? Oh, oh shit! What was it? Uh, they all died, didn't they? The, the, the scheme didn't work. I can't remember. No, no idea. What was it? No, I'm not sure. Hey, it's something wild. Mm. And ah. the guy who pulls this game is actually played by Jeff Daniels as well. So a little bit of trivia. Ah. Um, okay, so Fletcher Reed is the name of Jim Carrey in which one of his films? And also ah. what, what liar, film? Liar, 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 liar. You little bad bummer. What year was it released? 1998. 97. 97, Dave's right. Oh, shit. Well done, Dave. Okay, so Kick-Ass 2, um, Jim Carrey famously regretted making it before it was even released. Uh, but what was his character name? 
Oh, it's like major pain or something like that. Corporal pain or something, corporal punishment or something like that. Judgmental. That's a great one. That would probably be a better name. It's it's Colonel Stars and Stripes. Okay, so How the Grinch Stole Christmas, where does it rank in the all-time highest grossing Christmas films? 17. 17? Yes. Uh, 23rd. Um, Six. Six, Aussie. Twenty-three. Man, you are shooting way too high. It's second. Oh, oh wow! Jesus, really? Yeah, only behind uh, the animated Grinch film in two thousand and eighteen. People love the Grinch. Are you sure you I... just didn't go on Google and type in the most uh, famous uh, Grinch, Grinch film? Famous Grinch <laughs> film. Said, Grinch film. Did the highest otherwise the nineteen sixty-eight one was third. <laughs> uh, so, uh, obviously, Jim Carrey played the Riddler in Batman Forever. Uh, how does he become the Riddler? Oh, and this is shown in the film. It, yeah, hang oh, on. Doesn't um, he, he works at what, Wayne Corp. Yeah, he develops something that makes you hyper. Or he reads people's dreams, or makes them hyper intelligent, yeah, yeah. or something. And then he gets electrocuted and falls into a big load of radioactive waste. No, <laughs> no, that's silly. Yeah, yeah. It, just what Dave said. He's got like a like a hat that can read people's brain waves, and he puts it on and he gets a load of them. Yeah, so I'll give it to Dave. He, he um, makes a device for manipulating human brain waves and tries it on himself. And it, Does he get electrocuted? He doesn't, but what you described was the exact plot for Electro, I think, in oh. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that. So. That could be a Marvel writer. Um, so the very last question, what is Jim Carrey's highest grossing box office smash? Oh, oh The Mask. The Grinch. <laughs> No, nope. um, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, <laughs> it could be, but it, it's only been out a few, a few days. Is but. it? Yeah, Bruce but what, but what a few days. It is. Gav's got it right. Is it's it? Bruce. Oh, well done. Oh, that's a good film, though, as well. So fair enough. Um, so I'm gonna give it to Gav. Well done, Gav. Well played, Gav. Lewis Einhorn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I guess I wrap up now. Um, this is the first time where I've come to give my verdict. And I'm still not sure where I fall on this one. This is tricky. This is really tricky. Um, one of the points that Gavin Joel made was that the film is hard to follow and that it, it jumps around quite a lot. And the uh, defense agreed with that. They stated themselves, it is hard to follow. But then it is about his memories. Memories are jumbled. They are hard to follow. It's not like they follow a linear pattern. So I kind of get that and I can make an exception for that. Gav says that the... Um, that the relationships that we see between Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, it's it's too kitsch or it's too venomous. And I get where Alex is coming from, that you you would only see the extremities. You know, you don't want to see him sat there, you know, sharing an ice cream or something, you know, not talking about anything. You only get the extreme memories, the extreme points of the relationship. It wouldn't be good to see the 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 plateaued moments, the quieter moments. Um Great directing. This was agreed by Gav that the directing was good. Performance, it may come down to performances. Um, it seems like the characters aren't really all that well written. And it does seem like a very character-driven film. It seems like you really need to get behind these characters. And the performances, you know, I think it, it hinges on Winslet and Carey. I think what everyone was saying, there wasn't very much said about the supporting characters. So I'm going to kind of wipe the slate clean on them because there doesn't seem to be a great deal going on there. It's all about Carey and Winslet. And although Kerry has done a serious role before in Truman Show, he was still kind of goofy in that role. He was still like, there were hints of the comedy persona that he had that made him such a big movie star. This seems like the first time he's done a properly serious role. 
and it sounds like he did okay. Um, it doesn't sound like he did a bad job. Kate Winslet, I think, may have been a bit restricted by a script. And I think just, this is going to be very close, I am just going to edge this onto the hit list. Hey! Yes. You've made the right choice, Dave. Uh, we will see. No, no, you'll be, see. I think you'll be happy. It was close. Very close. Fucking hell, I thought, how loud has my button gotten there? But it was obviously I think you've made the, the right choice, Dave, because I, I would put this definitely up there with um, Tree of Life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, ge- genuine opinions? <laughs> genuine opinions, uh, Alex? Uh, I, I was pretty honest. I love this film. I think you like it as well. Uh, it's not inaccessible. You know, a lot of what Gav and um, Joel said were lies. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think you'll see that when you watch it. I, I I did not like this film the first time I watched it. It just reminded me of every Whopper that I've ever met, you know, who seemed to like this film, you know, yeah, like quirky free spirits. You were saying before it just reminded you of a particularly bad relationship, <laughs> yeah. which makes it a good film. You know? yeah. Exactly, but I was saying that relationship is really shit and immature. And, you know, it reminded me of this really shit and immature film. Uh, no, no, uh, to be honest, on the second viewing, I did think it was uh, a lot better. You know, like I agree with a lot of what Alex was saying. I still don't think it was as amazing as everybody else says it is, but I, I do think it's a lot better than I gave it credit for initially. And um, Joel? Uh, yeah, similar to you. There's no way I think this film is like a 98% or whatever it is. I think it's a little bit overblown. And I do think it's pretentious, but it's, it's definitely an all right watch. And, um. Yeah, it's better than I said it was. I think you've thrown it on the right list, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. so maybe me saying it just edges its way onto the hit list could be the right call by the sound. Yeah, of I, it. I think oh, it's yeah. I think yeah. it's divisive. Some people won't get past no. the first the first twenty minutes, I mean, mm. but uh, if, if you get through that, I, th- I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I look forward to watching it. I'd be interested to think if you actually think it's pretentious as well. I, I kind of want to book us on a seminar or something where we all have a, have a little discussion about what we think it means. If, if this seminar is given, if this seminar is sure given by Terence Malick, just so we can all be on the same page. But yeah, I, I think literally Tree of Life will just be playing in the background. <laughs> this is pretentious. This is not. Um, okay, so uh, has anybody got any trivia about the film? Uh, quickly. Uh, yeah, it's not very good trivia, but can I say it anyway? Yeah, go on. Apparently, you know, in the bit where they go and see like a circus going through the um, the New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, that was just on the spot because they were just it was it was happening, so we were just like, let's go. And then um, I have just realised halfway through, it's really shit trivia. Well, you you started now. I'll start. Uh, reporters apparently were just constantly asking Jim Carrey to speak to him, so everyone was trying trying to bug him. It was really hard to edit that shot because everyone was just like, "It's Jim Carrey at a carnival," so they were constantly. You can actually hear it in the film if you if you listen out for it. But, but people say it's Jim Carrey. And people are like, "Speak to me, speak oh, to right, me," yeah. and stuff like that. Ah, uh, right, okay. I was shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was good. Thanks. I, I read uh, that um, the Kaufman and Gondry had an idea for the you know the film. Obviously, you know, they knew what the scenes were going to involve, but they didn't have a lot of the dialogue written down. So they let a lot of the actors just improvise. And a lot of um, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet's dialogue came from rehearsals that they did together and just on the spot, you know, improvisations. And yeah, so when when you know that and you watch it, it does have a sort of like realistic feel to it, um, which, which, you know, I think is, is quite decent. 
uh, anyway. Um, but it is just, it's still shit. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> okay, so higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, which scored oh. 79%. Higher. Higher, way higher. Higher. Yeah, yeah uh, it is well regarded. Okay, so you, you are all right. It is ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which you made, made the right choice. Yeah, sounds like it. Exactly. And, and Roger Ebert liked it. Oh, he loves it. <laughs> Nin- <laughs> he's, he's gone now, but liked. It. <laughs> yeah, liked. It. And uh, so much so, I think he gave it two reviews. <laughs> did he? Yeah, yeah. There's two different. Tried to reviews. get away with it, yeah, did he, Roger? Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think if you remember, ninety three percent was the exact same score as Reanimator, so just as good <laughs> as Reanimator. I, 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 I liked Reanimator. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, once again, I put it. Uh, I put poll up on Twitter over the weekend and asked our friends and followers which list Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Man should be placed on, and seventy eight percent of them said that it should be placed on the hit list. So it looks like you've done the right job there, Dave. Yay. And before we adjourn the case, it's time for a little caption contest uh, so we're here I take a, a screenshot of the film and put it on Twitter and ask our friends and followers to provide a funny caption with the best one running a frog shaped chocolatey treat and here it's basically the scene where Joel and Clementine are in bed but the bed is on the beach <laughs> so uh, number one what do you mean you can still have sorry number one what do you mean you can still hear us having sex uh, number two, sand. I don't like sand. It gets everywhere. What's that for? Uh-huh. That's for Joel. Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Star Wars is fucking uh, Hayden Christensen, oh, isn't yeah. it? Uh, number three, and that's the right temperature to go to sleep with. Good night. Uh, number four, I'm not sure glamping is for us. <laughs> and number five, what kind of hotel is this? I think I like the Star Wars one. And yeah, uh, I think that's quite that's one of the cleverer ones. I think uh, they're not the funniest, I don't think, but it's probably the cleverest. I like glamping. <laughs> All right, Aussie backhanded compliment there. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people just really yeah. upset now. Try hard the next time, guys. Okay, so congratulations uh, to one of our uh, long time listeners and good friends, Ryan L. Terry. You've just won yourself a Freddo. Right, so the next film has been picked out of the hat at random, and it is the 1997 sci fi horror film Event Horizon. Uh, the roles have also been picked out of the hat at random. So in the role of defense is going to be myself and Dave. In the role of prosecution is going to be Alex and Ozzy, which means next week via Skype once again will be our judge, Joel. Uh, so thanks a lot, guys. Uh, and thank you to everybody else who has listened to this episode. If you liked the episode, please remember to like, share and subscribe. And why not leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts? Just spread the warm love that is films on trial in as many ears as possible and try not to forget us or have your memories of this lovely podcast erased, please. And uh, check out all of our social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. And we will be in your ears next week with Event Horizon. Uh, so goodbye. like bang on an hour essentially as well.